welcome back to the Two Fish Podcast. My name is Nick. I'm Aaron. And this week, Aaron and I are just going to have a general conversation about, I don't know, salvation? That's right. This this week, Nick and I, we have, man, we've been having this ongoing conversation and it kind of keeps just popping up in our circle. We we're going to dive into uh, the parable of evil farmers and here we are again talking about election, salvation, yeah, Calvinism, Arminianism. First of all, Aaron and I have been so busy our schedules and we really haven't had a ton of time as of lately to actually talk on a more personal level or that we've had time to. And so we've just been, we sat here ready to record this episode and we end up having these conversations that, that we were also talking about last week before yeah. we went to record last week's episode. And then it built into other things. I don't, I don't know how to describe it. So I guess let's just start into this story. My great uncle, I'm going to call him Uncle Bill because that's what I've called him my whole life. Uh, he grew up in Maine and now, actually, I don't even know where he lives right now. In the U.S. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> been a pastor his whole life. Um, his whole adult life, he's always been a pastor. Excellent guy. Married my wife and I. A, an amazing God man. But he is a very deep theological man. He studied the word his entire life. And so I got the opportunity this past week. He came into town um, and we sat down at dinner at a restaurant and him and I kind of sat on the end together. And my grandma had said, Hey, Nicholas, make sure you say something to your uncle Bill and let him know about your podcast. And he's like, Oh yeah, your grandma was telling me about this podcast. And so I just kind of explained what we do and why we do it and how we do it. And I said, we don't always go super deep because there's so much great information just reading through it. You don't always read through it in a Bible study kind of setting. Not that we don't go deep. And I gave the example of like Aaron and I have had conversations in Bible studies about Calvinism and Arminianism and what that means. And he goes, oh, and you can see this twinkle in his eye. And like, this is a conversation that he, he loves to have. And so we sat there for the next hour at this restaurant just talking about what those two differences are. And if you play both of those two subjects out, whether it's the Calvinist or the Arminianist, and a lot of you might have, have zero knowledge of what I'm talking about, but it's basically two different points of view on how we come to salvation. And so the conversation went to that Calvinist versus Arminius and how do you play those out and what does that look like? And is it a secondary issue? Does it really matter? And so for those of you that don't know, take some time this week. If you've never heard those two words before, you will go down a ginormous rabbit hole this week if you look into that that conversation and that argument, let's say. Yeah. A quick breakdown of it would be Calvinism is along the lines of predestination. God is the superior authority and we're predestined for where we're going. Arminianism uh, would be conditional election based on God's foreknowledge, man's free will to cooperate with God's salvation. Yeah. So it puts more emphasis on me doing what God tells me where uh, the other one is basically God is plug and play in us. Yeah. He's preordained certain things to happen and we don't change them. It's his predestined plan. And so 
finding yourself, take some time this week, look into that. It'll completely blow your mind if you've never heard of these terms. But finding yourself on, let's call it a spectrum here. You have Calvinism on one side and Arminianism on the other. Both have good, solid biblical points in my mind. The Bible consistently talks about election and talks about predestination. Right. And it's also got points in there of choices. Yes. And so it's hard sometimes when you look at conversations like this to say, man, where do I land? Because the Bible says one thing, and then sometimes my feelings say, well, that doesn't sound right, so it must be the other thing. And so we had this conversation here, and I started the conversation last week on election. Do we choose God, or does God choose us? Yeah, and in that conversation, so I kind of broke down my walk. So I can point to a specific moment the first time I said, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to bite into this was at a friend's funeral and I was probably 20, 21, maybe I don't think I was 22, but it was at his funeral and I couldn't for the life of me, I could not comprehend how in the world, and I didn't know this, what it was called at the time they were having an altar call like that just hit me at that viewing and that was the first time i i was like okay yes there there's something to this i'm gonna say yes to this my head and then after that i was 21 22 and in college so i didn't do anything with it yeah i can't like particularly stamp my hand down that hey i'm saved at this moment fast forward into my 30s i got baptized after doing uh, what we call fight club up here, which is men's ministry. If you haven't heard of it, I would encourage you to look it up and try and take it to your church. Uh, that is, it is a great tool for men, um, to go deeper, uh, physically, mentally, and spiritually with God. Yeah. And, uh, it has definitely changed a lot of guys' lives. And, uh, actually we had pastor Jim Brown oh, yeah. on who, yeah. who was the founder of uh, fight club. But anyways, I did Fight Club chapter, got baptized. That's great. And everybody thinks that's like the glory moment, right? Like yeah. you're baptized, you're definitely saved, you did it publicly. I still didn't do anything with it. I didn't change my ways. I didn't dive deeper. I did during the Fight Club thing, and yeah. then I got baptized, and then I went back to my old ways. Well, then come along a friend who I now describe as he lied to me to get me there. <laughs> but at the same time, I can look back on it and say God cleared the path for me to go to this retreat weekend where I now, I basically described it as I, I know for sure I received the Holy Spirit in that moment. And after I left that weekend, I changed. My relationship with my wife changed. My relationship with my kids change for the better. Um, I w was able to walk away from some sinful nature of mine, uh, not anything I did. Yeah. Like I went to this weekend retreat, came out a different man. So when you, when I walk through that, I can point to a point where potentially I was trying to choose God. And I can point to a moment where I believe God chose me. So I can't get on the board of I can choose God because I feel like I 
kind of tried that, but I never, never changed. Yeah. But the moment I know whatever, however that process works, but God chose me and I received the Holy Spirit. Like I can point to that moment. And there was maybe not that second, but there was immediate change in your life. Yes. For the better. Not that it's going to be easy or perfect, and it probably won't be until right. we, we go to be on with Christ. But um, that idea that I didn't choose him, he chose me, is the Calvinist version. And what it says is, all glory, if you play it out, and this is what my Uncle Bill was talking with, and we were talking about this, and he said, look at those two, Calvinist Arminius, and play those out to completion. Like, keep asking questions, Where how? How, how, why, why, why? And you keep playing it out. The Calvinist idea always says it's because of God, not because of me. 100% is God, 0% of it is me. And so I think, and what probably happened that day at the funeral for you is a pastor will get up there in church, a pastor will get up there at a funeral and say, all you need to do is ask God to come into your heart and you'll be saved. And that sounds good. It probably gave you goosebumps there at the funeral. It gives you goosebumps in church. I still get those goosebumps. If you have a really good worship service at church and the pastor comes up there and says that, like, that's a good, it's an emotional thing. But if if the pastor doesn't say, and here's, this is my feelings, if the pastor doesn't say, ask him to come in and change you, well, what am I changing? The sin that's in your life. Yeah. So if you don't dig just a smidge deeper into that conversation, you don't realize, oh, I don't just get to say four words, Jesus comes in my heart and I'm saved. There's actual heart change. And so for those people that did that, I feel like, kind of like you said at the funeral, I, I don't know. I can't 100% say I was saved because nothing happened. So that's the Calvinist side. The Calvinist says, God chose me in that moment. Now you feel like I asked God to come into my heart, so I did that. But the Calvinism side says God knew that moment was going to happen. He ordained everything that's going to happen to happen, and you just accepted the thing that he had already given you in that moment. It was 100% God. If you look here, just a couple of verses here, if you look here in Ephesians, Paul is writing the Ephesian church Uh, Verse four, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. So before even the foundation of the earth, God said, Aaron, on this day, is going to come to me. And when you say it like that, it really sounds like you have zero choice in the matter. Right, But the Bible says that moment was predestined. There was nothing you could do about it. So that's the Calvinist side. The Arminius side, the other side says, I chose God, and if I hadn't, I wouldn't have come to Christ. It was because of me, and this is, again, that conversation with my Uncle Bill. You keep going and you keep going and keep asking the question how, all the way down the line, what does is, what is the Arminius gospel say? Well, when you look at the Arminius, it says, I saved myself. God said, here's a gift. I accepted that gift. I chose that gift. It's because of me that I'm saved. And a lot of times what that happens is then you start looking into works. 
and we talked about that on this on the podcast a bunch of times. The works versus faith, salvation. Yeah, and I'll say right now, I don't fully understand this, and oh. I don't think we will ever fully understand the whole concept until we get to heaven and we'll have this. Oh, okay, moment. Yeah. And so you you bring that up, and like Nick and I said, this has been an ongoing what week and a half conversation that we keep running into with different people, which is why we were finally like, let's just hit the record button and and we'll just talk about this because obviously uh, God keeps putting it in our path and maybe we need to talk about it. I talked to a friend that he said, I would rather get to heaven and find out that I put God on too high of a pedestal (laughs) than to get there and be judged for putting myself too high on a pedestal. Oh, that is good. So, which, which would like, so you're looking at these two Calvinists are going to put God above all. Like, I had no choice. I had nothing to do with anything that happened. This is all God. Yeah. Which gets people hung up when some go to hell. Yeah. Well, if God chooses you, how is God good when? doesn't choose others doesn't choose others right where the other side is well those people chose not to receive god yeah so when you get there would you rather be the guy that said all glory to god or the guy as you're describing it played it all the way out and was taking by the end of it all the credit yeah or maybe not even all if you read the definition of it they don't take all the credit but the it's it's almost like an equal yeah. God's got to give me the gift, but I have to accept it. Right. God can't force that gift on me. I have to accept it. Where the other side says, God has this gift, and this is the preordained time that you will receive that gift. And again, th- that's a hard concept to think about. It's, w- it's where that free will conversation starts coming in. Well, if, if God chose me but didn't choose other people, why didn't they get the choice to accept it. And that's one of those things that's going to be a very hard, it's a very hard concept to think about. Well, how would a God, how how does a God do that? You know, a lot of times as we go through life, hardship comes through, death comes through. I can remember a couple of years ago when my mother-in-law passed away, like we prayed and prayed and prayed for healing and it didn't come the way we thought it would come here on earth. As hard as that was, at some point you have to understand, and it's still hard, but you have to understand there was a plan by God to use this for our good. And is that the way we wanted that to play out? Is that the way we want different situations in our life to play out? No, of course not. We want healing here on earth. And I think we had an episode on this one time. Hopefully you get to see the other side of that and can see, oh, God used this to reach this or to do this in someone's life. Right. And you say that and that moment at the funeral, I, I shared that with a couple of my friends from high school and like we've, we've reconnected a little bit. And my one friend looked at me and said, I'm going to have to share that with his parents because if his death was a moment that you either received God or God chose, like however you want to say it in that moment. And, and no, I, I can point to, I definitely didn't change in that moment. I probably went down a worse path at that like in those next four to five years, because I was in college, like things I was doing was not, was not the best. Could that have been the moment God chose me? I don't, I don't know. I would speculate that it was several, 
September 22nd of 2018 yeah. was the moment. But could it have been there? Yeah. And I just, I didn't do anything with it. I don't know. So we sat down at this restaurant, my Uncle Bill and I then, for a good hour just talking, you know, about these points and how one always points to man and how the other always points to God and how who is being glorified. It made me start thinking about the actual American church. And this might be another rabbit hole here that we're going to talk about, but how often we look at ourselves in scripture. Well, that's, I'm, I'm David and Goliath is all the things that come against me. But in all actuality, if you look at it in context, David was Jesus. Like we put ourselves in the Bible sometimes when we shouldn't. And that's the important part of the way we read scripture is we're always trying to say, where is this for me? What is this for me? The songs we sing in church, a lot of times look at the lyrics and listen to the lyrics. And, and it says I or my or me more than it says God or Jesus. And it's these songs that just continue to point at what I've done or what God can do for me. And it takes away from, as the Calvinist would say, and I like how you said that all glory to God. So the other side of this, Nick, the Arminius would, um, from some of the reading I've done, and like we're talking about, this is a very deep subject. It causes division yeah, and arguments, yeah. and and we'll get here. I sit in a, I think we both sit in a spectrum of somehow it works, and we don't understand it, but we're kind of in a, a in a middle ground right now. Yeah, is is the way we feel, but. Uh, if you go to Hebrews 11, uh, verse 24 through 26, the Arminius would point to this. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose, so Moses chose to share the oppressions of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ and to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. So the Arminius, from what I have read, kind of point to that and where it says he chose. So Moses chose to go down the path of oppression compared to becoming a king and having the riches of Egypt. That's a a choice he was able to make is how they describe that. Yeah, and obviously Moses' time was before Jesus' time where we can accept the sacrifice that Christ did. Obviously, Christ hasn't made that sacrifice yet, and their their way is different. But he chose to live for Christ and to live in the suffering of the Jewish people rather than the other way. And so, yeah, that points to choice. The question then is for the Calvinist to say, well, yeah, he had the choice, but God already had that choice planned for him. The choice was already made. That was preordained that that was going to happen. Right. God had already chose Moses and knew Moses had the heart for the suffering and the oppressed. Yeah. And he would lead them out of that, basically. Yeah. So this is a way that I've heard actually a local pastor that we have here in town kind of describe this. And it's always made me question or ponder this. He says, you and God are like a parent and a very young child, let's say a three-year-old. God says, paint me a picture. The parent knows that three-year-old is not an artist. They're not going to make something that looks good at all. It's going to be a big old thing of scribbles. 
God knows how it's going to end. He knows what it's going to look like at the end. It's going to be just a bunch of scribbles. But that parent and God doesn't know how it's going to get there. He doesn't know which lines are going to go where. He just knows at the end, it's going to look like a big old thing of scribbles. So God doesn't know. So God knows who's going to make it. So there's that predestination thing. But he doesn't know all the decisions that are going to be made in the middle. He doesn't know how or when people are going to choose. It just happens. And so that was a good explanation, this pastor thought, of this idea. And to me, when I think about that, I think, wow, you're putting the God of the universe in such a teeny tiny little box that he has no idea what's going to happen. He knows that you're going to get there, but he doesn't know how you're going to make it. So I, I struggle with that. I can get on the Calvinist side, like all glory to God, but I also feel like I got a role. God chooses me to like Moses. God chose Moses for his moment. God chooses me for a moment. And if I don't fulfill that moment, like I feel like that sin for me for one, but then does that other person suffer? Did I not do what God needed me to do in that moment? Yeah. And that guy suffers. That's where I struggle in this. But that puts me kind of over here on the Arminius side. Arminius side. Yeah. Right. So I, I struggle with this, but I, I believe God chose me. I'm on board there. God chose me. Was I predestined? I don't know. That's like another word you throw in the mix of it. Right. Yeah. And in that, in the moments where God's using me, and if I don't fulfill it, like there's a couple instances in my life where I feel like I was supposed to do something and I didn't do it. Do I just suffer for that? Or does that other person suffer for a period of time? Like they missed, they didn't get their opportunity to choose because you didn't do your job. Yeah. I see that to me, if I'm going to look on that side on the, I have anything to do with it. I, God needs me, which is, Personally, I, I kind of laugh at that when I say that, like God needs me. When you look at your situation, I would say God doesn't need you. If you don't step up to the plate, he's going to bring someone else right behind you that's going to step up to the plate. Right. And so that's how I, I, in my mind, can help relieve that. Okay, I screwed up. I should have done this and I didn't. That was wrong of me. In my mind, and I understand how you struggle. I struggle with that too, but in my mind, God said, okay, Aaron screwed up. I'm sending in Joe, and Joe is going to take care of business. But that still leaves up the fact that God doesn't know. He's waiting for you to do what he asked. You didn't. Now I got to send in the B team. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I just, that's where I struggle with. Does God, you tell me that God doesn't know? And and He's he needs our, let's say he needs our prayers to do anything. Like he asks us to pray out of obedience. Now we're kind of morphing off salvation here, but this is kind of all encompassing. Yeah. God asks us to pray out of obedience. He asks us to have a heart for him, like like heart of David. And he asks us to do those things out of obedience, but he doesn't need us to do those to get things done. He's the God of the universe. Right. So now the flip side of that. So I leave my, keep the story going. I leave my conversation with Bill. The next day, I'm having a conversation with my dad. 
And my dad said, hey, I saw you talking to Bill for a long time. What were you guys talking about? And I said, oh, we went down a rabbit hole, Calvinist versus Arminius. And he said, and this is funny, he goes, oh, can you believe that so-and-so's family are Calvinist? And I kind of chuckled, and I gave him a weird look, and I go, what? And he goes, yeah, they're Calvinist. And I go, is that a bad thing? And he goes, and he then, it was we had this funny moment where I questioned him, and then he saw how I reacted, <laughs> and he questioned me, and he's like, you believe that? And I said, it's biblical. And he's like, what? And so we were both thrown back for a second. <laughs> <laughs> it was super funny. And I said, what do you mean? And, and so I explained, and I think at the end of the day, we had a misunderstanding on definitions. Ooh. Okay. And I think words we, get in our way. We worked out the fact that, okay, my, my dad thought Calvinist Arminius was one thing, was looking at it from one angle and I was looking at it from the other. And, but what we really realized is there are extremes then to both of these sides. And so when he was talking about these other people, they are extreme Calvinists where they think there's only a select amount of people that are going to be in heaven and there is no reason to do any outreach whatsoever Oh, because God will bring them to him on the exact same time. And so there is zero reason for me to pray for other people, to go out and minister to other people, to do evangelism for other people. There's no need. And so their church does not do any of it. That's crazy. So that is, so when he hears Calvinism, that's what he thinks. And I said, that's extreme. And I know there's like a thousand point Calvinist and a five point Calvinist. And I know there's different versions, let's say of it. There's different levels of Calvinism. Yeah. That's why, and that's why I feel like it's okay sometimes to sit in the middle of these, somewhere in the middle, because that's not being obedient. God, God says, go out and make disciples. Yeah, it's Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen, and twenty. The Great Commission. Go, go out and make disciples of all the nations, and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Like that—that that is our our commission. And we probably didn't use the word Calvinism, but we had a similar conversation of, yeah, all glory to God, but He still tells us to go and do these things. Yeah, and we can't just say, "Hey, I'm chosen. I'm elected." I got nothing to do. Yeah. I can live. That's almost like taking grace too far. Yeah. Right? Like, I got grace. I can keep living my sinful life. Well, I believe I'm chosen, so I don't have to go and do anything. Yeah. I don't have to share the word with anybody. I don't have to evangelize. I don't have to tithe. I don't have to. God already chose me. I'm covered. I'm I'm good. I'm not sinning, but I'm not. I'm not doing the things. God called me to do, which I believe is sin. And yeah, I think personally for us, that is. And so in this conversation then with my dad, I said, here's the reason that is wrong in, in my humble opinion here. And he brought up the great commission. We're supposed to go out and do that things. And I said, and, but then he questioned me and to say, but what is the reason for doing that? If it doesn't matter. And I said, it does matter. And here's why God called us to be obedient God called us to do certain things. Mm. You, It may not make sense for me to go and outreach to Joe and share him salvation because when his time has come, that's when God chooses him. But God might use me as the tool to do that. It's a preordained moment, but God's going to do it 
out of my obedience to him. And so there's where I said that is an extreme that is unbiblical in my mind. Yeah. We need to be doing those things because God uses those moments. God has Joe's moment was today at noon and Joe's moment came because you were obedient to me by outreaching. And that's the moment that God called Joe. So we're not supposed to sit on the sideline on no, the one end. We're not bench warmers. Correct. On the other end, we're not supposed to, it's not a workspace game. It's not look what I've done for my salvation. When we get there, I love that example you gave. I'd rather have God on a pedestal than me on a pedestal. Yeah. That's good. So I think, I think one of the most important things from this conversation is you, and, and you need to go research this. Like we're, we're hitting very, the tip top of surface this, level, right? yeah. kind of surface level introduction to this. You got to be willing to sit down and have the conversation. Yeah. And you can't build the walls regardless of if your brother is completely an Arminius or if your brother is completely a Calvinist. Like, don't build the wall and harden yourself towards that person that you can't have the conversation because I don't believe that's what God wants at all. No. And I, I think I have, in this situation, a unique ability to kind of sit in the middle and I'm more on the lines of all, all the glory to God, but I believe God wants to use me and how that process works. I don't understand, but I believe I have a role but it's God telling me to go and do this. And when I, when I pray, I'm aligning myself with God's will. I'm not telling God what I want, but I'm discovering what his will is for me. And then I'm to do what his will is. And when I fail at doing what I believe God's will is, I believe I'm in sin. But how does the free will and the Arminius play into that? I think there's Somewhere down the road, they're going to merge when we get to heaven, and God's going to say, you were right, but you were wrong. Yeah. So I think that's the the challenge out of this conversation, and uh, I think it's been good for Nick and I over the last week and a half, and I'm guessing that it's going to continue to show up. Yeah. Part of that being our Bible studies in Ephesians that we go to, and that's just a very heavy like Nick read from chapter one, chapter three has got the same kind of thing. It's three times in chapter three that I'm chosen, you're chosen is what Paul's saying. But there's other areas in the Bible where it's a choice, like Hebrews, the one we brought up. That's just one of a couple. Yeah. But being able to sit down, have the conversation, continue to grow your knowledge of the Bible, continue to grow hopefully the knowledge of God and, and build your faith. Thanks for tuning in this week. If you enjoyed this episode, hit those like and subscribe buttons. Also head over to twofishpodcast.com to join the rest of the Two Fish community and all of our social media platforms.